welcome to For the Love of Dogs with Janice Wolf. Oh, man, it is Friday, and I love it, love it, love it. Life is very good, especially when you have your dog next to you. I just got off the phone a few minutes ago with one of the amazing veterans who we've placed service dogs with, Um, and just this year we've done quite a few veterans, and I've been getting these wonderful, wonderful notes from them and, you know, how the dog has changed their lives and how the dog makes them feel safe and the dog, you know, checks each room before they go into it and they can go to a restaurant and sit with their back not against the wall and that they're not jumpy when they hear a loud noise or that when they see something, a rustling branch, they don't right away trigger into their Vietnam days. It's very cool when a dog can really do those things. And we train, we task train these dogs. They can do incredible, incredible things. One of the things, though, that is still there, no matter what, and no matter who we talk with, is the neuroses I'm sure many of you face. And what we're going to talk about today is, is how and when and how often should you be going to your vet? And is it better to call poison control or is it better perhaps to have, you know, a, a number from your vet or a vet tech or somebody, although vet techs aren't legally allowed to give out advice, if you do know someone, that's a good person to bounce things off of because that person can tell you, well, you know, this is a concern or this is probably nothing. The first thing I say when people say to me, oh, my gosh, like our friend Carl, uh, who I was speaking with just a bit ago, he said, you know, this dog is my life and I've, I've not had this kind of life. He says, this is 50 years of living in hell since he left the military and he's got such trauma and PTSD. He said, and this dog has given me a life. He says, I can't even say the dog has given me my life back because I didn't have a life for 50 years. He said, I'm like, literally, he says, I can go anywhere now. I can walk. Well, he's in a, in a you know, wheelchair, in a, a scooter, um, just because of his issues and his injuries. He said, I can go to a store and he comes with me. And if I start getting stressed, you know, he'll place himself uh, next to me or you know, behind me and he'll keep me safe. And of course we, you know, Merlin's kids, we do not train dogs to be aggressive um, at all, but just having the dog, knowing that the dog has been trained to watch out for people behind or, you know, check the rooms, we call it clear the area. So we'll have a dog clear the area. That means that the dog will go through the house and check in each room to make sure nobody's there that shouldn't be there. And of course, 99.999% of the time, there's nobody there. Um, but it makes the veterans feel very comforted and safe. And we love that. So today when I spoke with him, he was really upset. And he says, I don't know if I'm being crazy and neurotic about it, but I really think that, you know, I should be, you know, taking him to the vet because He's throwing up a lot and and he's itching a lot. And I think it's maybe the food. Well, we talk about nutrition all the time here on From Shelter Dog to Service Dog and For the Love of Dog. We talk about that all the time. The reason we talk about it is it's important to err on the side of caution. If you are not sure if there might be something wrong with your dog, 
And of course, you have a good pet health insurance like a True Panion or like a Healthy Paws, which is now Pet Plan, some of the good ones. There's a couple of others that aren't bad. Check. I suggest and I highly, highly recommend that everyone get some kind of pet health insurance, a good plan. Uh, most of these things are not crazy expensive, but the beautiful thing about them is that if you have a problem, they are wonderful. I know Trupanion reimbursed 135000 plus of WISPA, uh, over 150000 for Wyatt, um, I think 78000 for Fallon. I mean, crazy numbers, but these dogs um, have been not just getting the best care from me, but they can get then get the best of medical care. So if you have a problem and you take your dog to the vet and there's something wrong, you're not having to make a financial euthanasia decision. You're not having to make a choice at all about doing or not doing care because like with Trupanion, that's, you know, you, you pay for the, whatever your deductible and then you pay for uh, 10%. So they also have a really cool thing, Trupanion, which is what I love. If a dog needs emergency or whatever, there's a way that you can have the vet's office contact them or you can contact them. They'll pre-approve it. So let's say you have a $10,000 vet uh, bill that it's going to be to save the dog's life. You don't have to put up the $10,000. Most of these places, these emergency vet places, will permit you to just give them the 10% and then Trupanion will pay them directly. So instead of having to come up with 10,000, you have to come up with 1,000, which most people can throw on a credit card. So you can get your dog the best, the best, the best, the best of care. That's why I use them. But there are some other good ones as well. And there are some very inexpensive ones that have limits. You have to just check all of them out and see which one is gonna be the best for you and for your dog. And I would really suggest, though, that everybody considers, seriously considers having um, some kind of good pet health insurance plan uh, so that you don't have to make a decision based on economics. You can make a decision based on your heart and what you think your dog deserves and what you want to do for your dog. It's fine if you decide you don't want to let your dog go through something. That's fine. I don't, I'm not telling anybody that, oh, you know, you should go to the wall for your dog and like do anything and everything. Cause some people can't do that. And some people like, like I am, you know, like I, I'm, I do anything for my dogs. Like I don't care what it costs. If somebody told me, you know, for a hundred thousand dollars, you know, your dog will survive, which is not that far from the truth. Um, I will do whatever it is, but you know, if you have children or if you're, you know, fixed income, you might not be able to do that. The best thing you can do is have some kind of pet health insurance and, you know, do your research because each company offers something different. But if you can have pet health insurance, you don't have to make that choice. And that's what I think the best thing is, is being able to walk into a place and say to the vet, whatever it costs, I want to do everything there is for my dog or for my cat, whatever. And being able to really get the best of the best. So, you know, when we look at things and we say, you know, okay, um, we have, um, let's say, for argument's sake, the dog, like like Carl called this morning um, and said, you know, the dog is itching 
um, a lot, and he's also um, vomiting. Then when I asked, it turned out he's not really vomiting a lot. It's in the morning. So we're going to be talking about that in a few minutes. But the dog is fine otherwise. Now, that is not always an easy, oh, okay, the dog's fine. Because if a dog ingests a poison or grapes or sometimes onions over a course of time, it can shut down kidneys. So any time or the dog could have an obstruction or impaction or blockage of some sort, so I'm not going to tell you because I'm not a vet. My daughter is. I'm not. Um, I think I know probably uh, enough to be a vet. Um, I know my grandfather or great-grandfather was a vet in Europe somewhere. Um, I guess that's where I got my love of dogs and animals and horses especially. Um, but think about it logically. If this were a human and you had somebody who threw up one morning and threw up the next morning and had some allergies, we always look and go, oh, they must be, you know, comorbidities. Like, oh, they're they're together, right? They're they're concomitant. They're like together. So, but they're not always. And I, I know I lectured about that once um, at one of the universities about always looking at each individual issue first alone and then in tandem with whatever else there is. Because certainly sometimes there are things that are uh, happening at the same time that are related. But there are also things that, you know, two things happen at once and it's just a bad combination. Um, and sometimes they are things that are related that can help for symptoms. So um, vomiting, if a dog eats grass and vomits in the morning and you want to take your dog to the vet because you're worried, then I would tell you to do that. Me personally, my own dogs, if they eat grass and vomit, I give them a Pepsid AC. I'm not telling anyone to do this. I'm just telling you what I do for my dogs. And usually after a day or two, they're fine. Um, for instance, Romeo last night, we, I gave him a little bit of extra coconut oil because they love that. It's great for their coat. You know, check with your vet if you want to add that to it or any fish oil or anything. Um, and it was probably a little too much and he had diarrhea. I didn't run him right to the vet. Because he's healthy, he's happy, he's running around, you know, he's playing outside, he's his normal self. He had diarrhea. Okay. So I gave him no uh, oil this morning and gave him a little bit of uh, some, some uh, digestive assistance powder. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but give him a little of that and he's good as gold. So a lot of dogs are, are throwing up. Where you have to start really worrying and wondering if maybe this is time for a vet is if the dog is vomiting more than once at a time and more than once or twice in a day. So if the dog is vomiting, like when that third time, like if, if a dog vomits here and once, it's fine. Second time, a little more grass. If it goes beyond that and there's a third time, I start thinking like, uh-oh, maybe time for the vet. Even if the dog doesn't have any disease or underlying condition or issue, especially in the summer, you got to worry if they're vomiting a lot that they're going to become dehydrated. And being dehydrated is a problem, okay? So what you want to start looking at is if your dog is potentially vomiting and, um, you know, and, and vomiting a few times, uh, especially if he's acting a little differently otherwise or maybe not eating or shaking his head or wobbly or anything, that would be a time that you should consider 
going to the emergency hospital or if it's out after hours. I don't know why, but it's crazy how animals seem to know, like, oh, it's 5.01, let me get sick. Or it's oh, it's Saturday night where there's going to be, like, a zillion other people at the animal emergency room. But, you know, either way, if you get that feeling that you start thinking to yourself, oh, I don't know, I better, you know, I better think about this. Those are the times that your inner voice is telling you that maybe it's a good idea to go. And I would tell you to go. Let's talk about eating grass and stuff. Now, hopefully you guys are not eating grass. But if your dog is eating grass, that can be for many different reasons. Grass eating is not something that is new. Grass eating is not something that necessarily means your dog is sick or dying or going to throw up or anything. In nature, if a dog or an animal feels unfull, let's call it, not satiated, they may eat grass to give them a feeling of fullness. They may eat grass because they need fiber, right? If they have a, especially if they're on like a, something, a raw diet that doesn't contain any vegetables whatsoever. So, you know, dogs are carnivores. They're not omnivores. They're not herbivores. But when dogs in nature wind up killing an animal or finding an animal, they'll typically go for the stomach and the intestines first. The reason they do that is whatever the animal ate who they're killing and eating, whatever that animal ate is going to be um, the, well, basically the digested, pre-digested, amazing, um, you know, stuff that is really good for the dog. And it, because it's already pre-digested, it's very energy efficient. So basically the dog is eating pre-digested food, kind of like when you have a baby or, or even, you know, us, um, and we eat something very, very bland that's kind of um, hydrolyzed, that's already kind of pre-digested, if you would. And that stuff is really, really, really good. Um, so that's what I'm saying. If we're able to kind of help our animals out and give them something you can give your dog some uh, a combination like what we'll do is I don't really like cauliflower for dogs because cauliflower actually um, produces a lot of gas and sometimes so can broccoli. But if, if you get like not peas, but let's say some carrots, some um, spinach, some green beans, you know, like green beans that grow above ground, not legumes um, or other things like that. If you get that, you'll see that eventually if you put that in and you cook it and just, you know, parboil it so that it's it's pre-cooked, your dog will like that. And especially if you have a dog with a weight problem, it's a wonderful, wonderful idea to add some vegetables and use the regular food, not the weight control, because that's just marketing. If you have some vegetables and you can add a little bit of brown rice, but vegetables are great. And a cup of green beans, cooked green beans, is only about 35 calories. A cup of dog food can range from 300 to even 600 calories. So if you give a cup or a half a cup of green beans, your dog is going to be able to get all that feeling of being full and satiated, but not having to eat a cup of food at four or 500 calories. 
So if you do have an animal with weight issues, that is just a beautiful, beautiful way of making them feel more full and making them um, kind of more comfortable and not constantly focusing on being hungry and eating. So, you know, think about that for a minute and think about how, um, you know, you can help your dog to eat well. And you might see that once you add some vegetables and some fiber into your dog's uh, food, you might see that the dog will stop eating the grass and stop looking and counter surfing and looking for food all over because he's going to feel satiated. Kind of like a woman who's pregnant and the woman is, you know, craving something crazy. And I remember the one lady, very pretty, I think she was late, late, late 20s or very early 30s. And she had two kids. And I remember asking her, well, what did you crave when you were pregnant with your son, the older boy? And she said, you know, I was a lifelong vegan. I never even had butter. I never even had anything with any animal, anything. Lifelong vegan from the moment I was born. She said, all I could crave and couldn't get enough of charcoal broiled cheeseburgers. She said, I just needed charcoal broiled cheeseburgers. And I looked at the boy who was about eight or nine. And I said, what's your favorite food? And he goes, cheeseburgers. I'm like, okay, there you go. I looked at the younger boy who was about seven or eight. And I said, what, you know, I said, what, what did mom crave with you? And he, he said, he says, yeah, mommy liked these um, Sabret hot dogs, like the, the ones from the carts in New York City. And uh, I said, what do you like? What's your favorite food? He goes, hot dogs. So this is a true story. So, you know, sometimes people can't believe all the great stories I have and all the things I say because they aren't capable of doing things or they aren't um, they're going through it. Like I have a remarkable life. I have the most amazing fun life. I've done incredible things that people would never believe I've done, but I have, I have, and I do them every day. So I love doing that. And this was one of those moments that I remember just laughing and saying, Oh my gosh, do you eat meat? She's like, no, I'm a vegan again. After the boys were born, I'm a vegan again. I don't eat, she says, meat repulses me now, but for a year, you know, whatever, nine months, I just, I couldn't have enough charcoal broiled cheeseburgers. And, you know, and then for, you know, another eight, eight or nine months with my younger son, I wanted hot dogs. That's all I wanted was those spread hot dogs, the dirty water hot dogs. And uh, it's, it's really interesting because that is listening to your body. Your body is telling you what you need. So if a dog's body is saying, I need more food, and you guys might have, those of you who are more uh, cultured, we'll call it, um, or who went to um, a, a good college, There's, uh, we did a lot of analysis of uh, different things uh, called Stone Soup. And it was a very famous book and a little play and all that was great. And basically it was about the people who, uh, one of the things, that, one of the main things in the, um, in the book was the fact that uh, they didn't have food, so they would take stones like stones, yes, like earth, rocks, stones, they would take stones and the stones would cook and whatever flavor came out of them, which was probably dirt, they would eat and it was basically dirty water, but it was hot and it was filling because it was stone soup. So you think about it, you can fill the dog up with calories, but if the dog isn't getting all the nutrition it needs, that's a problem. And if the dog isn't getting 
everything it needs, then it's going to be more prone to be countersurfing. It's going to be more prone to be feces, which is called coprophagia when they eat their own feces. It's going to be more prone to ingesting toys and ropes and little things laying around or eating your remote control because it smells like buffalo chicken wings because your husband or you um, eat chicken wings and watch TV and change channels on the remote. So it actually smells like a giant chicken bone. Um, or, you know, also other things, if a dog isn't drinking enough, um, if your dog isn't drinking a lot, you can, uh, just before you give him his food, you can add a little bit of water to the food or even give him a smaller meal, give him half the meal. And, and let's say you're giving him a cup of food, give him a half a cup of water in that. And this way he's eating, um, and drinking. So in the summer, particularly, you got to make sure that the dog isn't going to be dehydrated. And that, so if he is vomiting more than that one time in the morning, or if it's many mornings in a row, yes, I highly recommend you contact your veterinarian for veterinary advice. And hopefully you'll uh, be able to, you know, have really good health for your dog. Um, we also recommend, there's a couple of different probiotics and things. One of the things I think is great that you can get at your local supermarket is just organic, and it's important to be organic. Dairy products, it's very important to be organic. I would get some organic whole milk yogurt, um, and just if you have a small dog, you can give them about a quarter of a teaspoon of that. If it's a medium dog, give them a half. If it's a large dog, you know, let's say 60, 70 pounds, um, I would give them a teaspoon. And if it's a really large giant breed, you could even give them a couple of teaspoons of just plain Make sure it's plain. There's no sweeteners. There's no xylitol. Just make sure it's plain, not vanilla. There's actually plain yogurt. So Stonyfield has it. There's a, a lot of different brands that make organic. If you want to get Greek yogurt, you can have Greek yogurt, whatever. Your dog will love it. But what it does is it introduces prebiotics and probiotics into the dog's gut. And so the dog is actually going to be absorbing more of the nutrients he's ingesting. So think about it as, you know, golden retrievers and labs, right? The two, the breed, two breeds that most likely are going to get a GDV or are going to get a foreign body because they're always hungry. Well, they come from large litters. We've talked ad nauseum about this. They come, a lot of them come from very large litters. They haven't gotten enough of the milk or the colostrum the first 24 hours of mama's uh, uh, after birth, after birthing the puppies, after whelping. Um, and so if you give the dog a little bit of yogurt, you can use instead, you can use a part skim, but I kind of recommend the organic whole milk. And the reason I say the whole milk yogurt is better is that the whole milk yogurt, it has um, more consistency to it. And chances are that the um, probiotics and, and, and you know, the uh, active cultures are going to be probably healthier. And also a little tiny bit of fat isn't going to hurt your dog unless he's got some allergies, which you can check again with your veterinarian. Your veterinarian knows your dog better than anybody does. So you make sure that you check with them. You can ask your veterinarian. I recommend anytime you're doing any changes to your food or anything with your dog is just check with your veterinarian. If you don't have a good veterinarian that, you know, is going to sit there and answer your questions and maybe time to get a different one. But really, if you have a good vet and most vets are wonderful 
if you do have a really good veterinarian, then, you know, check with them, check with the office, ask them because they'll know they've been asked that question a million times. So getting back to the eating grass, um, you can try giving your dog, again, you can check with your vet, um, but try giving your dog something that is similar. If, If a dog is constantly craving, let's say, stealing ice cream, or the dog is constantly stealing a a piece of meat, or the dog is constantly stealing, you know, vegetables or eating grass or eating its own poop, coprophagia. Um, That means that the dog is missing something. Now, there are a lot of vitamin supplements out there. I'm not a big fan of powdered supplements because they settle and they jostle around and the top of the vat is totally different than the bottom of the vat. So it's very inconsistent. Um, I think the yogurt is a great idea. There's also a lot of vitamins out there. Uh, personally, um, I know everyone always asks me, Janice, what kind of uh, vitamins do you use for your dog? I happen to use wonderful, wonderful vitamins that actually, um, they prevent shedding. They definitely reduce shedding. I mean, I have, you know, several dogs and my house is not a hair hair factory except for Lexi, who has very weird Lexi hair, Um, but I give them a vitamin. Um, Some of them might get more than one or two a day, but the great thing about that is it, the one that I use reduces itching, allergies, hot spots, and it satiates them. It has everything in it that you could possibly need for your dog. Um, I'm just looking and somebody just literally emailed um, real time to me and is asking, What's the name of the supplement? Um, I might have mentioned it before. Um, The particular one I use, so this is, I've done all the investigation. To me, this is the only one we've been using in, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years. My dogs live a remarkably long time for large dogs. So also I give them great care and have great insurance. But the uh, supplements that we use, that all of my dogs use, all of our service dogs use, and all of the um, people who get our service dogs, um, we don't require it, but when everybody reads about it, it's, it makes sense. If you're pregnant or you have kids or, you know, you're working out, we all take vitamins, but we don't think to give the dog vitamins. And some of the vitamins have wheat and kale in them. Like I can't say name brand on that, but there are some that have wheat in them just to give them filler. And we don't want corn, wheat, soy, BHA, BHT, byproducts, propylene, glycol, yada, 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 uh, digest, all those things. So I use something called NuVet, N-U-V-E-T, NuVet. Um, It's NuVet plus canine wafers. Um, I do notice it reduces shedding astronomically. My dogs, who a couple of them just turned 13, I have one that's almost 18. Um, Their eyes are as clear as my puppies who are a year old. It's really kind of amazing. And it also um, does help with, I know firsthand, uh, with cataracts. It helps keep the body healthy. It boosts the immune system. And you can go online. It's NuVet, N-U-V-E-T.com. They're called NuVet plus canine wafers. Um, If you read about them and you want to get them, um, there's a, uh, an, a code and that will get you 15% auto ship. That's eight, six, six, eight, six. So it's N U V E T.com. 
And then that code is 86686. Um, and you can order it. And what I love is that you can actually call the company and there's actually human beings. You can actually call the human beings and the human beings will tell you what you need to do. And they're also, they also have this great um, joint supplement called New Joint. So we use both of those and we use the oatmeal shampoo, which smells absolutely delicious, but very faint and mild. Um, I don't like really heavy scents and it's really, really nice. And then they even have puppy shampoo, which really smells good. And it is truly tear-free because if you've ever tried to bathe a Rhodesian Ridgeback, they don't like water. So when you try to bathe them and you see all the mud now coming off them because they've been playing in the dust because we haven't had any rain in the last month or so, um, you see that it like just, it's just the dirt just falls off of them with this stuff. It's great and it's very mild. Um, and I've gotten it in their eyes because they're all over the place dancing around in the shower. Um, but yeah, it's great stuff. So if there's a particular brand that you want, I'm not going to tell you that you only can use this. You use what you want, but um, hopefully Mary Ellen in Staten Island. Oh, we have a Marianne in Staten Island too, who's very uh, near and dear to my heart. Well, Mary Ellen in Staten Island, that's what I use. Um, she has a follow-up question. Her vet recommended Cosequin. Yeah, if your vet recommends something, I'm not going to tell you not to use that, but you can also um, use the new joint. Um, I've seen that work like absolutely wonders. Um, and honestly, some of the stuff that you get supplements from other companies are actually, I'm not going to say better, but but work um very, very well. And um, I like to use what is best for my animals. So, um, you know, if anybody has any other questions, you know, definitely you can email us right now or call in 855-449-9288. We do have another phone and somebody to answer it. So you can call in real time. Um, So we are going to take a quick break before we split and start our shelter dog to service dog segment, which can be really exciting today. Wait till you hear all the cool stuff that I'm going to be teaching you about these. And uh, we'll be right back. So stay tuned. Be right back. And this is going to be the best from shelter dog to service dog ever because we are going to talk about rescue and we're going to talk about some success stories and some horror stories. So sometimes we talk about training your dog to be a service dog, but let's talk about the shelter dog. Let's talk about the fact that pre-COVID, we had the same problem or actually a little less where there were a lot, a lot, a lot of dogs and a lot of cats in shelters and bum, 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 here comes COVID. And everybody's like, oh, I'm going to go get a dog because I'm home. And there you go. The shelters were empty. I mean, literally every shelter pretty much around the country. And if they weren't, it's probably doing something wrong because every shelter that we call, there were no dogs, even to look for rescue dogs to turn into service dogs, our shelter dog to service dog program. I mean, I'm not kidding. We There were no dogs around. That's why we had to actually use our own dogs because 
I was donating Ridgebacks left and right because, you know, we couldn't get dogs and we have kids who needed them and veterans who needed them. So, you know, now COVID's over. Every, well, it's not over. It'll never be over. But COVID was the best thing to clear shelters. But then everybody started going back to work or whatever. And if we hadn't had all these people breeding these Labradoodles, mini golden doodles, F1BQRSTUV, because they don't want to call it an F2. We'll go into that another day. And everybody's got these dysfunctional dogs, and they're all, oh my gosh, I don't want the dog anymore. We're going on vacation. Summer is the worst because nobody wants a dog in the summer because everybody wants to go away. Well, guess what? You should have thought of that before. That's like returning your kid. I can see returning a teenager. Totally see returning a teenager. Again, not imagine what would possess somebody to return a dog because it's inconvenient. Now, if the dog has behavioral issues, you can call me. You can call one of the amazing people I've trained. You can call me at 855-449-9288. You are more than welcome to call me. You can reach out to me through BBS Radio. And you can uh, get to me um, on our the email that will be on the website. Um, but honestly, I, I don't know why people do this. Right? Why do you go get a dog and then COVID, oh, I'm going back to work. Dogs can stay in a crate because those same people say, oh, I don't want to put the dog in a crate. That's me. Oh, you're right. It's much better to put him in an overcrowded shelter where he's going to be euthanized. I mean, People bought crap. I can't even believe it. Five and six thousand, four, five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand dollars for a mini Bernadoodle or a mini or a toy or a standard whatever. I'm done with it because all of these people breeding, and if you're one of them, I have my apologies that you are breeding crap, but that is your problem, not mine. If people are breeding to better their breed, for example, when you go and you buy a mixed breed designer disaster from somebody, oh, but this is our breeder. No, 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 no. A breeder breeds to better the breed, to make their breed stronger, to make it more healthy, to make a better temperament, to make it live long, more longevity, better and better every generation. And I know because that's what I do. My dogs, one more point, I've got a puppy who's going to have a championship, just won three majors in a row. Beautiful puppy. She was a pet quality. She wasn't even my, one of my show puppies. The, the, a dog from a good, well-bred litter, they should all look so similar, and that's what I produce. And I don't breed it very often. I breed once, maybe twice a year, and I've gone a couple of years without breeding. So I breed when I'm going to keep a dog, and then I donate because I'm stupid, I donate four and five, $6,000 dogs to Merlin's kids so we can have great Rhodesian Ridgebacks in our program, not just rescue dogs. But I breed to better my breed. My temperaments are spectacular. The dogs are healthy. They don't have issues. They live to 13, 14, 15, 16, and they, they literally don't have arthritis. They don't have bad hips. They don't have thyroid. They don't have any issues. That's what you should be doing. That's what a breeder does. So when people tell me, oh, yeah, you know, I bought from this breeder, that is not a breeder. A breeder breeds to better the breed, not to make money. 
If you're doing it right and you're showing your dogs, which obviously if you're breeding mixed breed designer disasters, you're not. If you're breeding and you're taking your dogs to dog shows, there's no way on God's green earth. I don't care if you produced a gazillion puppies. You cannot make money. It's impossible. You can't make money. It's just, you don't make money that way. So the idea being when you um, have your, um, you know, your, your puppy and you want to get a puppy, I get it that people want to get, you know, a, a hypoallergenic, which is a joke anyway, because most people are allergic to the saliva. And if you just don't want to have a lot of hair in the house, okay, that's fine. Get the dog groomed, you know, or, or have, you know, get a dog that's a lower shedding dog, but, but get a poodle, get a Bichon. Those are great dogs. Get a toy poodle, get a standard poodle, get a Bichon. Uh, there's, there's a whole list. If you go to akc.org of even schnauzers, right? There's a lot of, there are a lot of breeds that are low shedding because that's why poodles are low shedding, right? Portuguese water dog, Irish water spaniel, like a lot of these dogs, they don't shed or they shed very, very minimally. Even Rhodesian Ridgebacks, if they're not double coated, even though it's not a true double coat, the darker red colors are usually seen. Well, actually, I've never even think of that. I've never even seen a double coat red, but the lighter colors tend to have a little more, if you would, shedding. It's very minimal still, but the darker reds don't have a lot of shedding at all. So you can get whatever you want, but by breeding these dogs that have, you know, health issues and temperament issues, and I mean, I'm doing great with them. Listen, I'm a behaviorist. I love getting a phone call and somebody goes, my dog is aggressive. It's biting my kids. You know, it's getting aggressive. It's doing, you know, A, B, C, D, and E. What do I do? Let me tell you about my dog. And I will say to them, is it a poodle mix? And they'll be like, yeah, how'd you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, does it do this? Yes. 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 And they're like, how do you know? I'm like, because it's a poodle mix. Poodles are great dogs. Like, not every dog of everything is great, but poodles are really great dogs. And if you stick with a poodle or a Bichon or a Havanese or something like that, and you go to a reputable operative word there, reputable, meaning they're not trying to make money. These are people who are showing the dogs. They're getting championships. They're doing all their health checks, hips, elbows, thyroid, bear, surf, degenerative myelopathy, von Wildebrand's, like a million other things. We test everything, make sure it's good, make sure it's working, make sure that we warranty the dog. When you get a dog from puppymill.com, and that's what they all are, or backyardbreeder.com, I wonder if that website is taken, and and you expect that when this dog has a problem a year later that they're going to give you your money back or care, you're not going to care because they find some other schmuck to pay 6000 or $5,000 for something that isn't worth $100. They're garbage. They're poorly bred. And and listen, what good show breeder who goes to dog shows and spends inordinate amounts of money to to show and to check every single thing and to call if there's a dog that is not you know healthy, it gets spayed or neutered, goes out as a pet. We don't breed it. But these these people that are breeding these mixed breed designer things, the disasters of of genetics, those people. Well, they'll breed it. Oh, look, that one's smaller than the previous generation. We're trying to breed mini micro. We're trying to breed micro 
doodle things. So they take the smallest dog, regardless of the health, regardless of, well, you don't even know longevity, and they keep breeding it, breeding it, and breeding it. That's called single trait breeding. So they're breeding garbage to garbage to get smaller garbage so they can get more money. And what happens is temperament is lost, health is lost, and, you know, and longevity is lost. And a lot of health issues, a lot of allergies, the dogs themselves have. So why do people do that? Because we were doing really great with the shelter and rescue dogs, but there was such an upsurge of COVID puppies. And COVID puppies mean that people were buying puppies and getting dogs during the beginning, especially in middle of COVID, so that when life happened again, they didn't have anywhere for the dogs to go. And they dumped these dogs into shelters and rescues. So every time you go and you buy a doodle mix or something, you go, oh, but it's only one. That dog took the life away from a dog in a shelter. I, with my grand champion, best in show Rhodesian Ridgebacks, am not responsible for one single dog ending up in a shelter because I push, if we have any dogs, any Ridgebacks that are out there that anybody knows of that are rescues, we'll all, a reputable breeder will say, hey, would you be interested in a rescue? If you don't want a rescue and you want one of my dogs, because you know my dogs are superior, they're going to be healthy, they're going to be temperament checked, health checked, everything checked, they're going to be perfectly behaved, they're going to be housebroken already, uh, potty trained when they leave, they're going to live 13, 14, 15 years, then you know what? Then I should be breeding. But when people are breeding, the same female every six months, because dogs go into heat, Twice a year, typically, every six to eight months, they go into heat. So they will breed them every six months to whatever disgusting interbred, inbred garbage they do to make it smaller or to look a different way. And then people wind up with behavioral issues, temperament, bad, bad temperament, bad longevity, bad conformation, all kinds of dysplasias, all kinds of patellas, luxating patellas, all that stuff health, you know, allergies and all those things. So why would anybody be that dumb to go buy one of those things for $5,000? If you want to get a doodle, cadoodle, double doodle, kitty doodle, half cat and half dog, like if you breed a poodle to a, a cat, you get a kitty doodle. No, it's not a real thing, really. I've had people ask me when I posted on a Facebook People ask me if it was a real thing. Could they get one? And I'm like, does that make even sense? Like, think about it. You might be in the market for some kind of doodle thing if you think that that could be a thing. That's like crossing a giraffe and a dinosaur. Probably not going to work. Or a dog with a dinosaur. Probably not going to work. So if you want to go get yourself a doodle thing, do you know there are doodle rescues? There are, you know... Whatever combination, I just rescued one from Dana, um, who's wonderful, who's probably listening to the show. Yes, you, Dana, I love you. I hope your COVID goes away. you got to call me again tonight. And Dana has this adorable little poodle mix, probably got some Jack in it. I don't know, but it looks like one, It looks like if, if we had the hair on it, we could make it look like any kind of doodle we wanted because all you got to do is cut the hair and you can make it into a kitty doodle or a barnadoodle or a labradoodle, or a cockapoodle doodle, whatever you want to do, doodle, whatever you want to doodle, but you can get them from rescues. Stop 
patronizing these backyard breeders and puppy mills who breed every six months to a garbage male, to a garbage female, and the poor dogs, when they can't produce anymore, they dump them in the streets or dump them in a shelter. You, and I'm yelling at you all, you, if you buy a doodle thing or you buy one of these designer disasters, you are responsible for the mother and father of your puppy, who's going to be a disaster probably too, you're responsible for that mother and father being in a shelter or wandering the streets when they're old because they've had nine or 10 or 12 litters. There was somebody, I couldn't even believe it. They said the dog had had 14, one, four, 14 litters. The dog was eight years old. It had 14 litters and it was a golden retriever and they dumped it. The dog was just about dead. It was emaciated. And it couldn't have any more puppies, and that's why they dumped it. And people don't understand what goes on, but you, by buying that doodle thing or that inbred science experiment, you are keeping those dogs in that environment. And people are dumb as, I mean, I don't know how anybody could be that dumb. Like, oh, look, we got it from this breeder. We were on the list. You know what? I can't fix stupid. I've tried so long. If you want to get a poodle mix, I'm not mad at you. You're just stupid, okay? I'm not mad at you. But what I need you guys to start doing is thinking. If you know somebody who says, I want to get a poodle mix, instead of buying a puppy from a puppy mill pet store or a backyard breeder puppy mill kind of thing or from a group in Pennsylvania that doesn't use electricity, instead of doing that, Contact your local shelter or rescue. Contact these breed clubs because there are actually, even though it's not a breed, you can contact um, an organization. There's a bunch of them out there that only rescue or cater to a specific, like let's say you want a poodle mix. They'll have 10 poodle mixes, maybe puppies, maybe older. They know all about them. And you'll get it. It won't cost you five, three, four. Seven, eight thousand, whatever it is, they're going to charge you probably a few hundred dollars from the rescue, and you're going to get the same science experiment you were going to get anyway. But at least this way, you got four thousand bucks in your pocket, and you didn't create another one. And that's all I'm saying. I'm I'm making you guys feel bad, but honestly, if you've ever been to a puppy mill, like or a bus. Because I've been to these things. If you've been to a backyard breeder and you see the conditions these dogs live in, they're matted. They have just feces in them and bugs and and all kinds of, like, you you take the hair off and there's fleas and ticks and all kinds of bacteria and ringworm and crap in there. That's where your puppy came from, okay? That mother dog, that father dog. And, you know, if the female doesn't want to, you know, mate with that male, they'll hold her down. So they basically have these female dogs being raped and then producing puppies and pumping out puppies. They don't care about these dogs. They really don't. You and I care about these dogs. But if you know now what's going on and why I am so dead set against these mixed breed designer disasters, it's because you haven't seen what I've seen. You haven't seen these poor dogs in a 
rescue or shelter or, or in the environment in a hoarder who's just breeding and breeding and breeding these things, and you haven't seen what they come from. And if you did, just remember, you are the ones, by buying one of these designer dogs, you're the one who's keeping that mother and father there, and it's really sad. There are a few places that try to do a good job, very few. I don't have a problem with them. I don't. I still don't think they should be, but I don't have a problem with them because they're they're guaranteeing the dogs. They're doing the testing. The dogs are healthy. They have good temperaments. They want you to come back and buy another one. Most of these places, they don't care because if you don't want to buy another one from them because it had megasophagus and sixteen other things, they got some other schmuck who will buy it. The key here is for us to think about what are you buying a dog for when there's a million of them in rescues, actually millions of them in rescues. And you know what? There's enough homes for every dog if everybody would stop buying these designer disasters. Rescue, rescue. And I'm telling you this because if you're going to go, there's in my world, there's basically two ways to go. You either get a, a show dog, like a show line dog, from a reputable AKC show breeder and who cares about the dogs and does the right thing, or you rescue. Anything in between, I don't think we should do. No puppy mills, no pet stores, all that. Well, thank you for letting me vent and get all my frustrations out today in our shows, and I hope everybody has a wonderful, fabulous, as Don would say, fabulous weekend. Love you all. Be good and enjoy the rest of the summer. Take care.